this morning from the book of Hebrews. Uh, the book of Hebrews chapter number 4. If you've got your Bible, you can open it up and turn there and just follow along with me this morning. We're going to read about 10 verses and get into the message. So Hebrews chapter number 4, verse number 6. And if you would please stand to honor the reading of God's Word. The book of Hebrews is... Uh, is a book, it was written to Jewish people, and, and you're going to see why. And we're going to get into that this morning, uh, but no matter who it was written to, it is applicable to us today. And uh, this is the words of the Hebrew writer. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6 says, Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying, And David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart." Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for the many blessings. And Lord, I pray that as we go into your word, God, that you would just bless, Lord, that you would have your way. And God, I just pray that you would meet needs this morning. And, and Lord, as we preach on the rest and the help that, that you can provide, God, I just pray that people would be receptive and that people would open up their hearts to you and your word. And God, we praise you. Lord, and we thank you. Use me as your vessel this morning, for I am I'm weak. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There's about three places that, that preachers preach out of the book of Hebrews, and this is one of them. And so I'm not going to get into who wrote Hebrews, and normally I try to lay groundwork. But the book of Hebrews, as I said, it was written to Jewish people. It was written to the Hebrew people, the people of God. And what was going on in this time during, during the, the time of Israel is that there was a transition. You understand basically how the Bible works, that you have Jesus, he's born, and we have his life in the Gospels. Everybody's aware of that. And then we have the book of Acts, and it begins to tell about the, the early uh, accounts of how the church started growing. And so there were churches popping up everywhere. 
And so these churches, they came from different backgrounds. Just as, as each one of us came from probably a slightly different background. We all had different families and we all were raised differently and may have even come from different parts of the United States and, and things like that. And so these people, they were Jewish converts. And if you know anything about the Jewish people, they were big on, on several things. And what was the number one thing that they were big on? That was the law of God, right? And, and God had given them the law. He had given them the Ten Commandments. And they were big on that. And so they had the high priest. And they had the, the priestly order. And they had all these things that they had to do in order to receive forgiveness for sin. And so we get here to the book of Hebrews. And, and the writer is, is trying to explain to them in, in not so many words. And not as many words as I'm going to try to explain. But we're really going to take our text from verse 14. And I'm going to read it again. He said, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now how many of you would love to have to come to a man in order to get to God? Would anybody enjoy that? I'm certainly glad as the pastor of this church that you don't have to come to me throughout the week and confess your sins to me because I don't think I would like some of you as much as I do. Would you say amen to that? That's, that's just the truth, right? And, and, and so, and, and that's, that's more of a, a Catholic way that I put it to you. But these people, what they would have to do, the Hebrew people for their entire lives, I want you to understand this. For their, their entire lives, they had to go to the temple. And for generations, they had to take a sacrifice to the temple. And that, that, that sacrifice would have to be slaughtered in order for their sins to be rolled forward to the next year. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and he literally turns their world upside down. He says, I'm here to fulfill the law. We preached just a couple of weeks ago how Jesus died on the cross. And everybody hopefully remembers that, how the blood ran down. And Jesus had to walk through the blood and, and all that. I'll not get into that. But Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. And he is risen. And now it says, he says, seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now the high priest in, in, the, in the Old Testament, if you read your Old Testament Bible, he was a highly revered figure. And he was the only man in the entire kingdom of Israel. Could you imagine? Not just that you have to take your, your, your sins and take a sacrifice to be sacrificed to cover your sins. But then those have to be rolled forward. And one man in the entire nation could go to God one time a year. What kind of experience would that be? I couldn't imagine having to be the high priest in Israel and having to take basically all the sins of, of everybody, not just everybody here, but everybody in the entire nation, and take them into what was called the Holy of Holies and present them to God and ask Him to forgive an entire nation of their sin one time of year. But then Jesus came and He died on the cross. And most of you know what happened when Jesus died on the cross, that there was a veil between God and man. Amen? And that that veil was torn from top to bottom. And then the, the, we have access to God any time that we want to go. But here's the thing about it. We have access to God, but we still have to go through someone. And I, this is why we have to go through someone, because God did not change. See, when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, God did not become less God. God did not just, just lower his standards so that we could come to him. God is still a holy God. Would you say amen to that? And he still sits on the throne high in heaven, and he is far holy above anything that we could ever think or imagine. 
And so here, here God is as is, is high as we can think about. And, and I can't put into words just how exalted God is and how exalted God should be in our lives. But on the other end of the spectrum, as high as God is, really that's about as low as humanity is. And so we have this thing in our lives called sin and we have that, that, you know, sin comes into all our lives and so God cannot look on sin and God cannot, cannot just, just deal with sin one-on-one and so that we, we uh, without getting too detailed in the high priest, when he would go once a year, he would have to have his sins forgiven because if he went in there with any of his own sins, you know what would happen? God would strike him dead. And so the same thing would happen with you and I today. If we tried to go directly to God with our sins and and with the sin that we carry in our lives, God would have no other choice but to kill us because He is that holy. But thankfully, thankfully, we have a high priest. Thankfully, we have a high priest. And He said, seeing then that we have a... He calls Him a great high priest. He's not talking about that, hey, Jesus is great. He's talking about that this this high priest was higher than any other priest in the land. This high priest has access, and it says, and he is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. So he says this, he says that we have a high priest, and then the next verses is sort of where I want to focus on this morning, maybe the next couple of verses. And and he says, he says, well, for we have a great high priest. And then he flips it around and says it in an opposite way. He wants to make sure that we understand. He says, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. See, the thing about the Jewish high priest is they were human just like everybody else. And they had their problems. But those high priests didn't know what you were going through in your life. Those high priests could not, could not vouch for you and say, hey, I, I know exactly what they are going through. Let me explain to you a little bit about a high priest. If you were born into the tribe of Aaron, and, and Tanner would, could tell this better than I could probably, that's how you became a high priest. You had to be born into a certain group of men, into this certain family. And from the time that you were born, you were separated from everybody else. Now, could you imagine, let's put it in modern terms just because this is kind of how we think these days. Could you imagine a child, just let's say a child born into my family. Let's say I'm a, a family of preachers and, and I'm the first preacher in my family. But, but if my son was born into a family of preachers and just because he's my son, he's going to be the, a pastor one of these days. And so we take him and we drag him away from everybody else and we coddle him and we protect him and we teach him the word of God, and, and which is wonderful, amen, but then he doesn't know anything about what's going on among us, that wouldn't be a very good person to take your sin somewhere, would it? That would, that would not be a great person to, for me to go to and be able to say, hey, you know, I committed a sin and I'm going through this. And, and he wouldn't be able to say, you know what? I know what you're dealing with. And so in this, in this particular verse, in verse 15, he says, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Now let's talk about a word that, that he uses here. He, he talks about infirmities. Everybody has an idea of what an infirmity is, right? Anybody in the army? Is anybody in here in the army or the military in general? Where's Jim Maddox? Is he out in the hallway? There's Jim Maddox. Jim, if you got sick, you went to the infirmary, right? Yeah. 
And so we think of that, that term infirmary or we're infirmity. And, and an infirmity, we automatically think of sickness or, or something like that. But let me tell you what an infirmity is, at least in this context. An infirmity is a weakness in our life. And the way that the writer writes this thing is it can be not only a physical weakness, which is what we think of most of the time when we think of infirmities, but how many times do you think about people having infirmities or weaknesses in their soul? I want you to understand this idea this morning that, that we put a lot of stock into our flesh, don't we? I mean, a lot of you ladies here this morning, just looking around, I'm not picking on anybody, but a lot of you ladies probably got up really early this morning just so you could fix your hair just right, and so just, just so you could put your makeup on, and just so you could match your clothes so that when you got to church, people would say, man, look how nice they look. Anybody, did, did anybody do that this morning? Don't raise your hand because then I'm going to pick on you. But anyways, and so we put a lot of stock and a lot of thought into this, and we try to look good, and we, and we try to feel good, but I'll tell you... A lot of times we come to church looking good, but on the inside, you know what we are? We're miserable. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever came to church miserable? Or went anywhere miserable? And, and you know, I, I like to see people that look like they have it together. But I'll be honest with you, the more that, that I pastor and just the, the longer I live, I'm only 34 years old, and the more people I, I, be, I meet and, and I, I kind of talk to and people tell me things, and, and I'm beginning to learn that really at the end of the day, there's not many people that have it all together. Would you say amen to that? I mean, I would say some of the oldest people in here that, that have, have lived far longer than I have could say, you know, there are still areas in my life where I have weakness, there are still areas in my life that I have problems. And so we carry those around. And, and, and the thing about it is, is we automatically, as I said, think of our, our physical weaknesses, our, our, our body. Um, everybody in here, I would say, that's over the age of 50 years old is hurting somewhere on your body. Amen? How about over the age of 40? I'd say the only three people that are not hurting in this service are Mason, Austin, and Daniel. Just to be honest with you, I mean, my back's killing me right now. And I'm not telling you that to make, make you feel sorry for me, but I've got an infirmity this morning. And I want you to know this, I want you to understand this, that, that I'm not trying to, to lower God down to our level or lower Jesus down, but, but I want you to understand that God cares about that. Did you know that? God cares about that. And, and if, you, if you have a physical problem, God cares about it. And, and let me encourage you this morning to take that to him. Take it to him. Hey, just, just take it. To, go to the doctor. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle doctors and say that you shouldn't go to the doctor. But, but when you do that, why don't you pray to God and say, God, help me with this. You know why? Because Jesus knows what pain is like. You know why Jesus knew what pain was like? Because he was in the flesh just like you and I. Now, I could say that, that he experienced pain when he was beaten with the cat of nine tails or crucified. He experienced pain then. But I want you to understand that Jesus lived just like you and I. And I want you to think about this. We don't think about this, but you know what Jesus' primary mode of transportation was? His feet. You don't think that Jesus sometimes maybe got sore feet maybe sore knees, and, and when he was out there working on stuff and building stuff as a carpenter that his hands got aching. You know, he, he knows exactly what we're going through because he became one of us. 
And what a wonderful idea that was that Jesus came and he experienced all these things that we experience. It says that he can be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. So I want you to understand that anything that you are experiencing this morning is something that Jesus himself experienced just like you do. But now let's take it a step further. It goes on to say that but was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. And so not only did he endure pain as, as, a, as a human being, but he also endured pain and endured things in his soul. And that's really what I want to focus on this morning. It's because we got a great looking bunch of people here this morning that look like they have it together. But I want you to understand that there are things that people carry with them into church every Sunday morning that God does not want you to carry around. I think about... Uh, the, the, the world that we live in and I think about the environment that we live in and uh, I think about how hard it is sometimes not to just get troubled by what we see you get troubled when you look around I just get troubled don't you I look at, at how rampant sin is and I look at, at, at what I call the world out there but you know what's, what what's makes it even worse is I can, I can close the world out and I can go to this church and I can even go maybe to my house and I can still find problems there. And sometimes those problems burden me down more than anybody knows. But the thing about it is, is I'm not unique in that. You have things that are burdening you this morning that I don't know about. You know, I think about the book of John, John chapter 11. You think, well, did Jesus, did Jesus feel, feel things like we do in her, our soul? And I, I believe he did. Because in the book of John, Jesus' friend Lazarus died. Sort of unexpectedly, I imagine Lazarus was not that old. And he died. And what did it say? John chapter 11, verse 35. Everybody knows what that said, right? Praying for y'all, sisters. John chapter 11 verse 35 said that Jesus wept, right? That Jesus saw his friend or thought about his friend in the tomb, knew that he had every bit of power in the world to resurrect him, and yet Jesus was crying. How many of you have lost a loved one and wept about it? I have. Hey, in 2014, I lost my mom. And, and it, was, it was a terrible, you know, I was a mama's boy. Every man loves their mom, or at least they should, amen. And I love my mom, and, and, I, and I miss her dearly. But you know, right there during the middle of all that, I could put my trust in him. Because Jesus knew exactly where I was. And not only did he know where I was, he knew my physical location, what was going on. But he knew what I was going through. Can, can you imagine that? That God sent his son to come into the flesh so that he could experience what you and I experience. And, and I could talk about that and, and death and, and so many things. But let me, I want you to understand this, that he's there. But then he goes on to say that he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You know what sin will do in your life? It will bog you down. Sin will absolutely bog you down. It will absolutely put so much pressure on you that you will become a miserable human being. 
You ever, you ever met a miserable person? Has anybody in here ever met a miserable person? If you've met a miserable person, raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, you're probably that miserable person, okay? I'm just being honest with you. <laughs> not trying to be mean, but that, that's just what I see. But anyways, we meet these people, and, and we're, I don't like to be around hateful people, do you? You know, growing up, my mom would say, you know, we don't want to be around them. They're just hateful people. But you know what I have found more often than times than not? That the reason people get hateful, the reason people get snippety and edgy and, and all those things and have all those attributes that you don't want to be around is because they're burdened down with things. You know, I mean, there are times that I occasionally get short with my wife. She'll say amen, right? It's okay, sweetheart. And you men and you women, you ever got short with each other? You know what getting short with somebody is, right? You just kind of say something and just real fast and, and sometimes you, you say something that you don't mean. And more oftentimes than not, I'll find out later on, and I may not even realize it at the time, that something was bothering me. I may not even be thinking about it, but we have, we have things that weigh on us. And, and I want you to understand this, that that is not how God wants us to live God does not want his people to be carrying a bunch of burdens. God does not want his people to be carrying around all these problems and, and, and trying to deal with them their self. See, the thing about the high priest was, is, is they went to God because the, the normal people couldn't go to God. And so these people could not do it on their own that was what that was all about is that the common man without going through somebody else could not do it on their own they could not obtain salvation they could not go to heaven and so what we have in in our world and in our churches and in our homes and in each individual life is we have a lot of people that are trying to do it on their own without God's help and I'm not just talking about lost people. I mean, they're obviously trying to do it on their own. But I'm talking about Christian people, godly people that attend church, that read their Bible, that at the end of the day they're carrying things around because they may be too prideful to carry them to God or they, they may not want people to know or, or whatever it may be. And so we carry so many things around and we, we get miserable sometimes. I've been miserable more recently than I, I would like to talk about. And we get that way, and, and, and so we have our infirmities, and we have our, our temptations and things that come our way. And yet we must understand Jesus knows where we're at. And so in light of all that, I've identified a problem, right, that we all seem to have, and that is that we have burdens that we carry deep down inside, and that we have problems that vex our soul that we can't even begin to imagine. And if I just left this morning and said, all right, there's the problem. Go home and try to figure it out. We would be in deep trouble. Because if it's left to me to try to figure out how to fix my problems, I'm going to make my problems worse. But then the very next verse, the writer goes on to say this. He says, in light of all this, he says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let me tell you, there's people here that in your life right now, you know what you're in. You're in a time of need. 
You know, our, our country is in a time of need. Our, our state, our county, our, our church and our individuals that are sitting here this morning, we have people in a time of need. Amen? And he said that if you're in a time of need, he says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. I don't know about you, but when I do something wrong, I don't like to admit and own up to it boldly. Do you? I'll tell you a quick funny story from when I was a little kid. And uh, that's not been that many years ago. I was about four years old. And uh, I was out playing in my sandbox. And I found a bunch of baby frogs. <laughs> I promise I'll, I'll go somewhere with this. And so I took all these baby frogs and my four or five-year-old little self. And I put them in my T-shirt pocket. And I carried them in the house. And I went to my toy closet and I dumped all these little baby frogs in the toy closet with the intention of keeping them. Anybody else ever do something stupid like that? So I put these frogs in my closet and of course I'm four or five years old and they begin to die. And about a week later my mom begins to smell something dead. And she begins to investigate. And so immediately, you know what I did? I saw my mom looking in that closet and I went straight to her and I said, you know what, mom, I made a mistake and I brought frogs in here and they died and there's, there's the end of the story, right? That's exactly what I did. No, that's not what I did. I went to the other end of the house and hid somewhere, went outside and ran off into the woods and got as far away from my mom as I possibly could. We don't like to boldly admit to things that we do, do we? And you know, it took three or four weeks for my mom. She thought we had a frog infestation in the house. I mean, she's just trying to plug holes to, to hide it. And then finally she found out that I did it. And so little four or five-year-old little Seth is, is carrying this, knowing that my mom's worried about a frog infestation. And I'm carrying this around, and, and I was troubled by it. And finally, I owned up to it. I told her, and now my family laughs about it. You remember the time Seth brought the frogs in, and we all just get a good kick out of it. But we do that so many times. We do something that we're not supposed to do. And you know what shows up? The stink and the stench begins to show up in our lives and in our homes and all this. And, and, and we just, instead of going boldly to the one that can help us fix our mistakes and help us fix our problems, you know what we do? We run off in the other direction and try to hide it and, and get away from it and do as much as we can to take care of it on our own. And all we have to do is just come boldly to the throne of grace. Nobody likes to admit they've made a mistake. Nobody likes to admit that, that they have problems in their life. I don't like to admit that. Nobody does. Men, men are the world's worst for it, right? Amen. George is sitting there, he won't even look at me right now. <laughs> men, we, we, we want to try to do things on our own. But yeah, he said, let us come boldly into the throne of grace. Why? Why do we go boldly to the throne of grace? That we may obtain mercy. That we may find grace to help us. In a time of need. You know what God's saying this morning or, or what Jesus is saying? He's sitting there right beside God. That's where Jesus is this morning. If you're wondering where Jesus is, he is sitting on God's right hand. And he is ready 
for you to, to open up in prayer and you don't have to be fancy about it and say, you know, dear merciful God or anything like that. He just wants you to open up to him and be honest with him and confess these things. Hey, it may not be sin in your life. You know, we carry things in our lives that are not sinful, right? We carry troubles and burdens and, and things that are going on and it may be marriage problems or it may be problems with your children or maybe problems at work and, and things are wearing on you. You know, work wears on people and school wears on people and, and, and things, I mean, the world's just set up to try to basically just, it seems to drive us in the ground sometimes and that's not how God expects us to live. God wants us to live in victory because we're on our way to heaven. Amen? And so we can go boldly to the throne of grace to get help. Hey, I need help right now. I need help every day of my life to get through the day and to get through life. And, and, and we, I need help with my marriage. I need help as a father. I need help as a pastor. I need help in every aspect. And you know where I can get help? From God at the throne of grace. All I have to do is just go boldly and say, hey, God, it, it, I'm here. And I go through Jesus Christ and he intercesses for me. And as I go to Jesus and I say, you know, Lord, I'm carrying something in my heart. I can almost hear Jesus say, I know what it is. I've been there too. You're going through pain. Hey, I, I know, I know. And so Jesus, he can, he can take our, our, our prayers and he takes them and takes them to our Father and says, hey, here's, here's Seth's problem. And then God provides the help. If I could tell you anything, to, and you write down anything, I don't know if you're taking notes, but if rips a piece of paper out and get a pen, quit trying to do it on your own. God has made the resource available for you to live a life of where you're not in misery, where you're not, you know, always going about and, and being short with people and, and just biting people's head off and all those other cliches that we use. God wants us to be happy, joyful people. Amen? And you know how you're going to get that happiness and how you're going to get that joy in your life is at the throne of grace. Grace is God giving us something that, that, that we do not deserve. That's what grace is. We always think of God giving us grace as, as, as saving our souls, right? And that, that's it. That's, God saves our souls by his grace. But God does not stop giving us grace when he saves us. He continues to give us things that we do not deserve every single day. Did you know that? If God would have just saved your soul and then said, all right, that's all I'm going to do for you, and you're on your own, that would have been enough. That would have been uh, wonderful. But listen, God continues to help us and be with us every single day if we'll just go to him. Can you imagine all the things that, that Christians, all the joy that we leave just because we don't ask God to help us? And we live our lives with, with misery and with pain and with um, all these things. He said that simply, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. But there's one more word. I, I talked about the word infirmities. But there's another word that I want to kind of focus on in verse 16. He says, let us therefore come. He gives us an invitation, doesn't he? I heard a guy say one time recently to me that, uh, and, and he was of a different denomination than we are, he said that, that invitations are not biblical. 
That's what he said. He said, he said, you know how a preacher, when he gets done preaching, he opens up the altar and, and invites people to the altar. He said, he said, you can't find that anywhere in the Bible that anybody ever preached a sermon and, and said that. And I thought about it for a minute and you know, I thought about Peter's sermon to the, to the people at Jerusalem. And did Peter have an altar call? No, I don't think he did. I think about Ecclesiastes where they, or not Ecclesiastes, uh, Nehemiah, where they read the, the book of the law all day long and they preached and they stood on a pulpit and all these things. And did they give an invitation? No, but, you know, Jesus said in the book of Revelation, come. And, and the writer here is saying, you know what, Come. Come to the throne of grace. Come to the place. And so I believe with, without an, a doubt in my heart that this would be an invitation. Wouldn't you believe that? Let us come boldly therefore unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in a time of help, in a time of need. As I said earlier, I'll reiterate it and then I'll be done in just a minute. I don't want to repeat myself too much, but I want you to understand there's a lot of people in here that need help. I don't know what you need help with. And to be honest with you, you don't have to tell me. If I see you come, I'm just going to pray for you, whatever that situation is. But I don't have to know. But God knows. Jesus knows. The secret's already out. Why don't you come and get that help that you need? Sister Lauren and, and Daniel, whoever's going to play the invitation. And uh, I just want to just invite you, if, if you want to, hey, come to the altar. Let's stand up and let's, let's bow our head and close our eyes for just a minute. And, and Connie's just going to play on the piano for just a minute uh, before we sing. We're going to sing God is so good. Is that right? Okay. But I want you to think about that. And, and we, don't, we don't use our altars a whole lot. I'm not going to lie in case you're sitting in the back. We've got an altar here on either side. And you can come this morning and you can bow down and, and you can do it in your pew. But, but he says, come. Come and ask God for help in a time of need. And if you're in a time of need right now, I would, I would not only invite you, but I would encourage you to come and get the help that you need. Hey, it, it may be that you need financial help. You know, God cares about those things. It may be that, that you have physical ailments in your body and, and you're hurting this morning and, and you don't know how you're going to get rid of the pain. God cares about that this morning. It may be that, that you know, you've, you've, you've sinned and you've made a mistake and, and, and you're, you're embarrassed about it and, and you don't want anybody to know what it is. Don't, just don't, you don't have to tell us, but come and get help from the one that can give you help and that is God. I encourage you to come and get the help that you need. And, and let's bow our heads. And there's folks on the altar, and we're going to pray. And if you feel impressed to come, you can come. Merciful God, Lord, I just pray that you would help people this morning. God, that you would deal with people in this place. Lord, that we know that we all have problems. We all have our infirmities. We all have our weaknesses, whether they be physical or spiritual or, or whatever it may be. And, and God, you already know what they are and you already have the solution for those things. God, I just pray this morning that you would help people to, to be bold enough to, to just step out on faith and come boldly to you and say, God, I need help. 
put our pride aside and all the reasons and the excuses that we don't come to the throne. And God, I just pray that you would convict people for those. And, and Lord, open our hearts to receive that help that you so graciously give us. And God, these people that are here and have already come this morning, I pray that you would help them. Lord, people in this, in this place are going through things that I can't even begin to imagine. There with them. Lord, you know, and not only do you know, but you care. We just pray that folks would cast their cares upon you because you care for us.